Welcome to the Brew News Podcast, all the news that's fit to be brewed. I'm Andrew Jennings. And I'm Travis Matherly. Today we'll be taking a deep dive of Gibbs 100 Brewing. Gibbs is a local brewery here in Greensboro, North Carolina, and was started in 2014 by Mark and Sasha Gibb. Instead of doing online research, Mark was willing to sit down with us for a great interview. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our interview with Mark Gibb of Gibbs 100 Brewing. Hey, Mark. Hello. Um, thank you so much for agreeing to uh, interview with us. Uh, we're just going to do a quick, you know, not Travis. Travis isn't here. It's just me, Andrew. We're just going to do a quick interview. Uh, so you are the founder of Gibbs Brewing. Is that That's right. Can you tell us a little bit more about Gibbs 100? Yeah, I, I think as far as uh, what we try to be as a brewery, um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we like to be a community brewery. And we get a whole bunch of events and things happening in our in our tap room and, and uh we enjoy that. We like to connect with the community. And in, in, in terms of the, the beers that we brew, I think um, we do some crazy stuff from time to time, but but we, we tend to brew uh, true to style, mm-hmm. to the traditional styles. We kind of feel like if there's a style of beer that's been around for 300 years, there's probably a reason it's been around for 300 years. Probably people like it. And obviously we put our own spin and interpretation on those. Mm-hmm. We like to do a, a full range of styles from hoppy beers to dark beers to a few sours and, and some lighter beers really kind of hit all the spots and, and for for different beer drinkers or just the same beer drinker who's in different moods uh, which i often am but, you know I, I think in terms of the the styles that we put out um probably the one unifying theme is that, that I, I kind of think of us as a malt forward brewery mm-hmm. uh, and we like hops like everybody does um and and certainly our, our ipas are, are very hoppy mm-hmm. Uh, but they also have a, a nice malt backbone to them, and 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 the beers uh, that are styles that are malt forward styles, we tend to really shine on those. So you know some of our stouts and things, we will use a lot of uh, a lot of specialty grains to create a lot of complexity in the malt character, and uh, so we we get some pretty rave reviews for for those beers. Yeah, I really enjoy your um, your milk stout. That's one of my favorites that you guys do. Um, so you guys recently moved from. Uh, a downtown location to the State Street location in Greensboro. Could you tell me a little bit about the move, The if there's any reason for it, or just uh, the new space is very lovely, by the way. Sure. We, uh, I mean, we, we had a, a lease that was going to be mm-hmm. coming up. Uh, the, the rent was going to be going way up. We, you know, we were kind of shoeshorned into that space. It was a little difficult to keep up with production there. Uh, it was certainly difficult to get 18-wheelers in and out of that area to make grain deliveries and things. And I, I think the other thing is, 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 as far as the tap room, uh, it, it was it was probably time for us to go. When when we moved into that neighborhood, uh, there wasn't a lot there, and and we were kind of a destination for folks, and folks would come and sit for a couple of hours and, and bring their dogs and bring their kids and, and hang out and, and enjoy the space. Um, by the time we left, there were a lot of bars in that neighborhood, and and it became kind of a late night drinking and bar hopping kind of scene, and that's. It's not really who we are. We're, we're really just family-friendly, dog-friendly, and relax, and, 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 and play some board games and, and, and have a few beers. So um, this this is really more a suitable location. All right, so we're back. We moved locations. It's a little bit a little bit quieter. So now we are back in the brew house proper. In your original location, how how big was the brewery? How much? How many barrels could you guys produce? In terms of physical space, we we had about three thousand square feet for the brewery. Mm-hmm. Over there, and here we have almost twice that. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and I see, looking around, and I see all the canning and <laughs> all the. Yeah. You were one of the first 
besides Natty Greens, and I guess Red Oak technically, in Greensboro that was doing uh, production, like real uh, distribution type mm-hmm. production. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, walk me through that process, like when you went from brew pub, like, you know, we still have a couple of folks that really are just brew pubs only. Think about joy mongers mm-hmm. and sure. prior a little to an extent they're starting to distribute a little bit mm-hmm. but um what was that like making that transition from just brew pub to i'm selling my beer in cans across uh, the city and i guess just north carolina now and we were pretty much distribute um, distributing from the beginning mm-hmm. um now we're not in cans initially we were just distributing in kegs but we were and we were getting out all around town and 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 all around winston and and, and a little bit into um Triangle and Charlotte mm-hmm. um, before we um, just on our own self-distributing before we finally did sign up with the distributor okay um, and then we added the cans and of course that, that really caused the distribution to take off but that was always the goal from the beginning and we, we, we have a, kind of a large brew house is a 15 barrel okay system which uh, you know the I mean the bottleneck for a brewery um, really isn't your brew house it's it's how many tanks you have because yeah, it's you know it's it's in the uh, it's in the brew house for six hours, and then it's in the tanks for two to three weeks. Um, so that's that's your bottleneck. But fifteen barrel system is is, is reasonably large. Um, you know, Natty Greens has an eighteen barrel system. That's it. And, wow. And that's it. Now they've got extra vessels and things mm-hmm. that, that enable them to cut their cycle time so they can do like four brews a day every day. Wow. Kind, kind of thing. Okay. Um, it's a, it's a reasonably large system that we have. So. Um, you know, at the, at the time that we started, of course, there were about one third as many breweries as, <laughs> as there are now. Um, but I, I was actually manufacturing brewing equipment at the time. Okay. Uh, I was a home brewer for 20 years, but what got me kind of into the commercial end of this business was manufacturing tanks and brew houses for, for other breweries. Okay. Uh, working for a company called uh, SMT Food and Beverage Systems out of Martinsville, Virginia. And they're all U.S. made, made up there, and um, so that explains the uh, fermenter out in the uh, yep on the, the front lawn. Yeah, um, which if you're not careful, I might take that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm realizing the bottleneck too. I, as a nascent home brewer, I'm <laughs> well, unfortunately, that particular one uh, it, uh, is non-functional, which which is why it's uh, okay. sitting out there. Uh, it actually it actually got destroyed during our move. Mm-hmm. The, uh, we, we brought in a refrigeration contractor to um, pump all the glycol out of the system okay. so that when we unhooked the, the tanks, we wouldn't have 200 gallons of glycol over the floor. And the gentleman uh, hooked up with nitrogen gas to, to push the glycol out, out of the system. Uh, fortunately, he didn't have his regulator set properly. So instead of 30 pounds of nitrogen, it was 300 pounds. Oh. And it, and it blew out the glycol jackets on the tank. Yeah. So now that's a very, very expensive lawn ornament now. So. <laughs> okay. So you have the 15-barrel system. Do you have anything for, um, like, running test batches and pilot brewing as well? Uh, just just, just a small system that, that, okay. that, we, that we do, like, 10-gallon batches. 10-gallon batches. Okay. okay. Oh, wow. So making the move out here, you really wanted to get into a little bit more space. Um, and you said you were a home brewer for 20 years. Mm-hmm. So... Tell me about your time homebrewing, and I guess what what made you make that transition from homebrewing to I'm going to start I guess the third brew pub in Greensboro proper or second mm-hmm. in downtown. I mean, I got into homebrewing. Um, you know, I've always enjoyed beer. Most of us, when we when we start drinking beer when we're 21 or sometimes a little <laughs> younger than that, 
Um, you know, we, we, we tend to drink whatever we can get our hands on, and we're not real picky about the flavor of it. But I, I guess I, I got kind of picky about the flavor of my beer fairly early on. And, and, and I guess I've always been a person that, uh, that likes to make things and, and, and uh, you know, do, do some woodworking and some cooking and, and things like that. And, and so the idea of making my own beer really appealed to me. Um, I also enjoy wine quite a bit. And, and I thought about making wine, but I realized that you can make decent wine at home, but you are never going to make great wine at home because great wine comes from great grapes. And the, the people who own the vineyard that produce those amazing grapes are not going to let go of those grapes. They're, they're going to they're make it into wine themselves and, right. then, and then turn around and sell it for $200 a bottle. So you know, you're just not going to be able to get your hands on really great grapes. A home brewer has access to all the same grain and yeast and hops that any commercial brewery does. Right. So if, if you uh, are very careful and know what you're doing, you can make the best beer in the world at home. And, and that's that's what appealed to me about home brewing. So uh, like I said, I did that for, for 20 years and then had a career in manufacturing and, and worked for several different companies. And the most recent one being um, the one that makes a bunch of uh, food processing equipment. And, and, and amongst that equipment is... is uh, some brewing equipment. The company was actually making some equipment for Anheuser-Busch and Miller Coors for many years. Uh, and then when I got involved with them, I said, hey guys, what are we making for for craft breweries? And they said, oh, those guys, they're, they're, they're small, they're tiny, there's no market there. I said, they're small, but they're, they're starting up at a rate of about 300 a year. There's, there's a huge market there. So we kind of downsized some of the equipment and, and, and started offering it helped a lot of great passionate folks get get into the business of, of, of making beer and, and I guess kind of caught the bug from that that I wanted to do the same thing to take my passion and translate it in, into something that can you know be shared with people well awesome like I said before I really enjoy a lot of your beers um, so are you the brewmaster as well or take us in a day of life mark yeah no I, I uh, like I said I was a home brewer for 20 years mm-hmm. um, I knew from day one that there was a big difference between bring five gallon batches and 500 gallon batches mm-hmm. and, and so from day one uh, I had professional trained brewing staff who were you know familiar with with all the equipment and, and knew how to get the best results out of it so I certainly collaborate with my brewers on on recipes but you know, I've got to give them 90% of the credit for all, for all of the recipes because they're they, you know they are the the trained professionals so is there any one style um, you particularly enjoy that you guys make or any one beer in particular you guys that you make at Gibbs that you enjoy. You know, I mean, I mean, it's it's like asking what's your favorite child. You know, you have <laughs> one. Everyone has one. They refuse to admit it because you don't want the others to. But it makes you feel better. The beers they won't tell. They won't tell the other ones. <laughs> um, I I, w- I would say probably the the beer that uh, I drink all of our different beers depending on what mood I'm in. But the one I probably find myself going back to more than others is the pale ale. Okay, the yeah. blind man's holiday. Yeah. Now you guys won a few awards at the Great American Beer Fest a few years ago. Am I? crazy on that one uh, we won a gold medal for our esb okay. and we won a silver medal for our uh, medley of moose wheat beer okay okay yeah, that was i know the esbs it's hard to get a good esb around here you guys have one so yeah and and we do it in the true english style mm-hmm. um you know i of course the esb stands for extra special bitter you know if if, if you know a little bit about the history of it then it, it's called extra special bitter in contrast to english mild which is a beer that has almost no bitterness at all to it. So extra special bitter really is not a bitter beer. It just has a little bit more bitterness than English mild. Right. 
but it's really a malt forward style. And, and that's definitely how we do it. There's a number of craft breweries that when they see the word bitter in the title, they just can't resist how many hops amping the hops up, in you know, and, and that's just, you know, you, you can make a, a good beer that way, but it's not, it's not a true ESB. Right. So I know um, we have Pig Pounder in Greensboro and they are, at least previously, they were almost exclusively an English style brewery. Mm-hmm. And you're saying that a lot of what you brew is a lot of very malt forward, which I associate with the English style. Mm-hmm. Are you also tr- being more English style or cause I, I'm drinking a blonde, a French blonde ale. So I don't, I don't yeah, and, and, necessarily and, English. Yeah. And, and, but, and, and, you know, we, I would say of all the styles that we brew, there's probably more English in there than anything else. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we, we've done, um, you know, several Belgian triples, which is obviously a, a you know malt forward kind of style. Like you said, the French blonde. I'm actually drinking the uh, the Oktoberfest, which you know, which was a lager, but it, but it's, it's, it's a, a lager with forward. a nice yeah. heavy malt forward signature to it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so when you're developing your beers, kind of like in two days, three days, three days, you're releasing your black IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're developing new beers, what's the process like? Um, you know, typically we, we're talking about what we want to come out with just based on lots of things, you know, something that we, that, that we haven't done before that we, that we wanted to try or, um, you know, that we, that we previously did, uh, something that people really liked. And so we want to you know, try to come out with something that's kind of riffing on that a little bit. Uh, or it's just been demand because you know something's in the pop popular right now and folks are asking us to to bring one out. So for whatever you know whatever reason we we're going to settle on a style mm-hmm. and then you know we 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 tend to you know, go back and, and look at classic examples of the of, of the style and, and compare and contrast them and figure out you know what do we really like about this one and what do we really like about that one and kind of pluck the characteristics of them that we that we really like and, and meld those together into something unique that we like to drink and. We figure if we like to drink it, we hope other people will too. You said you're looking at other beers that already exist in the style to sort of build a flavor profile that you're interested in building, mm-hmm. creating. Yeah. Um, so do you have any particular breweries or particular beers you harken back to as this is an exemplar of the style or this is something we're trying to use as our base? Not any particular breweries. I mean, it, it, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll vary tremendously, mm-hmm. you know, by uh, by the style of beer that you're looking at. I mean, obviously, each style has, has certain sort of classic examples of it, and right. you know, certainly when we were looking at the at, at the ESB, Fuller's was was one of was mm-hmm. one of the ones that you know. And of course, I don't I don't know that ours is is very much like Fuller's, but there was a, just a couple of little traits of Fuller's that we liked mm-hmm. that we tried to that we tried to put in there. Right yeah. now, for my own personal edification. <laughs> mm-hmm. What did you base the milk stout on? Because, like I said before, that's one of my absolute favorite milk stouts. <laughs> I don't know that the milk stout was—I uh, don't know that that one was so much based on mm-hmm. looking at other beers so much as there. There are twelve different grains in that one. Wow! So um, that one was was really one of saying, "All right, you know, we're we're really going to layer in as much complexity in this one." as we can kind of get away with it and not being too busy. So we're going to take a little bit of this and that's going to add some chocolate and we're going to take this and that's going to add a little bit of smoke and we're going to take this and that's going to, you know, add a little bit of coffee and, and, and so forth. So that's what we're, we're going for with that one. Okay. And then just enough of the lactose to try to, you know, balance it out. We always like our beers to be balanced. Right. Um, you know, we, we really don't like to do things that are absolutely hammering you over the head with hops or with, heat from alcohol or whatever we like our beers to be balanced so that's that one you know it was, it was getting awfully roasty so you know, we made it a milk stout and and, and uh, leavened it out a little bit 
that's good. Because I know my home brewing, I can't get. Uh, I've only been able to get the hops down once. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else is. A, I like my beers bitter, so that's yeah. that's a personal sure, a personal sure. thing. What was it like making that transition from home brewing to brew owner? Um, you know, I, I, I would say that it it, it was it wasn't really uh, so much a transition from home brewing to owning a brewery as as it was a transition from having a day job to you know starting a business. So you know, uh, I, I love the brewing, but uh, you know, unfortunately, that, that that's a small fraction of, of what I'm involved with these days, just because there's there's so many other moving pieces involved right. in, in a brewery. You know, we're, we're always out there trying to kind of get the word out about our, our brews and there's so many breweries out there now, you know, it's, it's, it's not enough to make a great beer that you got to let people know that you have it and, and, and kind of shout from the rooftops to let them know, or no one's going to know that you're there. You know, so time is, is, you know, out in the market and, and meeting with, with, uh, um, bar owners and restaurant owners and, um, talking to them about the beer and, um, it was definitely a transition for me because I, mm-hmm. I was involved in manufacturing and industrial products and things. I had never been involved in a, in a consumer product like this. So it's, it's very satisfying to know that you're making something that people really interact with the product and enjoy it a lot as opposed to making a pneumatic cylinder that people don't even know it's in the product that they bought, you know, unless it breaks. So it, it, it's very satisfying, but um, it, uh, you know, it's also very different had it kind of learn a whole new way of doing things right i work for a grease trap manufacturer i'm very much aware of products that are behind (laughs) behind the scenes that no one ever ever wants to see why did you choose the name gibbs hundred i'm a history buff and um a hundred is is an old subdivision of a county or shire uh you know we wanted to be a community brewery so we felt like a a hundred you know which which of course the name originally came from that it, it was an area that was roughly the size to support about 100 homesteads Hmm. we felt that evoked a a, a nice small tight community thomas jefferson was a big advocate of hundreds and if he had had his way when they uh, laid out all the all the maps and you know you fly over the the middle states now and you see the big square grid that everything's laid out in he would have organized everything on the basis of hundreds instead of townships so that people kind of had had their government at a, at a smaller more local type level so we, we kind of like that idea we want like i say we want to be a community brewery so is there any beer style in particular that you haven't brewed yet at least here i know home brewing you've probably brewed a bunch of different things um but at gibbs is there anything you've wanted to brew that you haven't gotten to brew yet any particular style or beer in particular uh yes we we, we definitely uh we have done some sour beers and, and i enjoy sour beers very much we, we have done some, but they, they've been they've been lacto beers. So you can know, you explain that? Um, uh, so done with lactobacillus, mm-hmm. which which is going to give a, um, a, a you know a fairly clean tartness to it. So um, as opposed like, to like a Brettanomyces, which is as more... opposed to Brett, which is going to give you kind of those funkier and barnyard mm-hmm. type aromas and flavors. I would love to do something with Brett. I I, I enjoy that. Now, you have to be careful with Brett, and you can get your entire brewery infected, and, and once you do... And you're a uh, brewery. Yeah, and, and you know, you, you can't make Brett ESB. That's not a thing, so... I mean, you uh, can try. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how... You know what? Let's do it. Let's, let's try it. It's a very small batch. Let's give it a shot. 
So, you know, I mean, that, that's why a, a, a lot of breweries that are, that are handling Brett will have an off-site facility that they don't even bring it in to their brewery. Right. So I, I would love to do that. We haven't, we haven't gotten there yet. Like I said, we've done, we've done some sour beers, but not Brett. Okay. So when people visit Gibbs or when they're drinking Gibbs out of the can, if they find one at their local grocery, sure. um, mm-hmm. bottle shop, what have you, what do you want them to experience? What are you hoping every time someone pours a glass of Gibbs beer? Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I think what we're trying to do is, you know, like I said, the uh, most most of the styles that, that we're that we're putting out there are ones that that are, are, are uh, you know they're drinkable beers. Mm-hmm. Recently, did an imperial stout that was nine and a half percent, but most of what we're doing is, um, you know, in the, in the five or six percent range, a little bit higher for an IPA. For an IPA. Um, most of what we're doing, um, like I say, is, is not blasting your palate with bitterness. Even even the IPAs and pale ales will, 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 will do more dry hopping so that you're getting more of the hop aroma, aroma and flavor and not as much of the bitterness of it, you know. So we try to do things that are drinkable so that you, you might want to have, you know, two or three of them. You know, and I think that's what we figure we've succeeded if, if, if you want to have two or three of them. And then, and, and, and also, and you know, probably just as importantly, if you go back and buy another six pack of it a few weeks later, it tastes the same. Um, you know, consistency from, from batch to batch is very hard in a, in a small brewery, but we work very hard at it. And, and, and I think and hope that, that we do achieve that. I have told this story before on the podcast, but we had this brewery in Raleigh I used to go to. And they're, they're no longer a brewery. They mm-hmm. had a great location, beautiful, um, but their quality control was absolute terrible. It's absolutely terrible. You go one week, get a beer, come back three weeks later, get the same beer, what you think is, but it's from a different batch, and it tastes just awful. It wasn't flat or anything. It wasn't you know, it didn't even sit in the keg. It doesn't even have to taste awful. Yeah. I mean, if you order a beer and you liked it, and then you order it again a week later, and it tastes different, and it's still good... But it's different. You say to yourself, "Man, I'm I'm rolling the dice every time I order this. I don't I don't know that I'm I want to take that chance." Yeah. You know. So as a small brewery, how do you do quality control um, from batch to batch? You know, obviously, if 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 you're a large brewery, you know, you're going to do blending, mm-hmm. um, and you can in, ensure complete consistency if, if if you're blending everything. You know, we don't we don't we don't have that luxury, so we just have to be really careful um, trying trying to make sure that that we're keeping an eye on. All of our raw ingredients, the, the the grain and the hops and so forth, and the uh, the specs on those, because obviously you know th- those are all agricultural products that change from year to year and harvest to harvest. So we got to make sure that we're making adjustments to the recipe to account for that, and and, and um, not just going forward with a new harvest of grain and not even trying to adjust properly. We try to be very very careful about our times and temperatures of everything. Make sure that we're recording everything and being very consistent with that. You know, and then I guess at the end of the day, if 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 we fail on something, you know, you got to be willing to either dump it if if it's if it's just not good beer. You know, thankfully, I think maybe one time we we had to actually dump it. There've been a number of times where we where we say to ourselves, this beer right here is still good beer, but it's not true to brand. So we're not going to put it out there as ESB or whatever. What we're going to do is we're, we're going to take this as a base and we're going to take it in a totally different direction and make a different beer out of it. Um, use a different hopping schedule on it or something or, 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 or maybe maybe put some fruit in it or some addition or something like that. Make it a completely different beer that's, that's still a very good beer, but we know we missed the mark in terms of, hey, that was not going to be blind man's holiday, so let's just make it something else. Okay. 
How do you catch? Do you catch it in the uh, before you go to the? Uh, it sounds like you're catching it before, almost before you go to the boil kettle. You're catching it in the while you're making the wort. Sometimes. I mean, you're typically you know catching it in the in the fermenter. Mm-hmm. You know, early early in the process, you got it in the fermenter, and, it, and, and, you're, and you're tasting it right out of the fermenter, and you're saying this is not this is not right. So, so you must have a good good palate then for that. <laughs> we 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 work on it. You know, it's I, I mean um, I mean I think anybody can can have a good palate it's more a matter of training than than anything of, of you know being very observant and in, in, in what you're tasting and, and and trying to calibrate things and then you know, right. i guess the last question i really have is is there anything else you want people to know about gibbs or is there any events you have coming up um in i guess february and beyond that you want folks to know about and to come out uh, for well we've always got events and things coming up um it, i guess in, in in terms of um uh, beers we've got a uh, Sour Belgian Red, Brick Dust Red, it's, that's coming out um, on the 19th of this month. Um, we're going to be uh, bringing out our Fox in the Morning Saison uh, again next month. We have our Milk Stout going into cans starting uh, next month. Um, so I guess that's kind of new things on the horizon as far as brewing. Uh, as far as the tap room, we've always got events going on. Um, one of our Favorite events that we get in here several times a year is is the uh, the Greensboro Ladies Arm Wrestling League. I saw the flyer. Uh, they that. will they will be here in February. That's always a rollicking good time. They they put on a, a very good show. Yeah, we, we try to do uh, music most Fridays, and so yeah, awesome. Before we say goodbye, I am drinking your uh, the French Blonde, and I've enjoyed this beer. What can you tell me about it? Finish up my last Swiss sip. <laughs> Um, you, you know, I, I think every every beer is is uh, tends to be either defined by its malt or defined by its hops or defined by its yeast, mm-hmm. um, and I think that is, is very much a yeast defined beer. So, um, you know, it, I mean, it's got a nice malt and, and wheat background backbone to it, but we really you know try to let the the yeast you know get, get the right yeast and then and then you know let it come forward and it express itself. Um, you know, there are a few breweries that will tend to try to do everything with the house yeast because that, that, that certainly does save you some money. But um, I don't know if you're doing anybody any favors if you're if you're if you're doing a French blonde with with a pale ale yeast. Uh, no, not at all. I know I've I've used the same yeast twice, and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like using different yeast, different hops. All yeah. That, so. mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mark. It's been Alrighty. an absolute pleasure. We want to thank Mark again for that wonderful interview, and we are super excited. We have a couple of cans of Gibbs beer here right in front of us, so we're going to hop right into our tasting. First beer of the night is our Rock 92 Brew. So this is an English-style session ale, 4.0% ABV, no IBUs available for this one. It's actually brewed for a local radio show of ours, uh, two guys named Chris on Rock 92. It's kind of an oldies, not even oldies really, classic rock radio station. Uh, here in Greensboro, it's a brewed to be a premium beer you can pace yourself with. Smooth malt with a touch of caramel, balanced by noble golden hops. So this is my first time having this beer. What about you, Trav? Well, yeah, I think this is the first time for me as well. I don't, I don't know why I've never gotten this one uh, out of all the Gibbs beers, but yeah, just smells actually a little caramelly, which is surprising because it's kind of more golden in color. It's not exactly clear though; it's a little hazy. They don't pasteurize or filter their beer. It's all unfiltered. It's on their cans, actually. Unpasteurized, unfiltered. 
Mm. And that's a big thing for Mark, which really impacts his distribution that we talked. I think we talked briefly about that. It smells actually, I want to say almost like a tiny bit banana-y. Maybe. Maybe. That would be the uh, yeast, most likely. That's actually a little more bitter than I was anticipating. And it's not as caramely on the palate as I thought it would be after smelling it. I actually kind of like the aroma more than I'm... But the bitterness does fall away. Yeah, it's... It's kind of... It is more of like a really... When they say English style, this is maltier than you would expect, which I guess lends itself to that British style of beer where everything is more malt forward. Yeah, and that's probably what they're going for. They are more malt-forward English-style brewery. That's pretty nice. It's the first time I've had it. I didn't know anything about it. I think I've only, I'd only ever think I saw it at the, pub, at the pub, just in cans. A few of the times I've been there, they have it on tap, and then it always, ne- it, I think it like never fails every time I'm over there. Like One of the main beers is not on tap. Like They've run out and don't have a keg available. Um, so it like rotates between the monkey's fear, the rock 92 brew and like their ESB overall. That's not bad though. 4%. That's really low. That's extremely drinkable. I think that's what they're, I mean, that's what they were going for really. Mm-hmm. That's why they called it a session ale. And paceable. Yes. Oh yeah. Paceable. That. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> let's move to their, uh, award winning ESB. This is the guilty party. It's a 5.1% 37 IBU 14 SRM. 14 SRMs. Serms. They took her serms. <laughs> I don't even know what a SR. What is SR? It's the color. It's uh, a color rating. 14 colors. <laughs> it is 14, it's a 14 full on colors. the color scale. Yes. Uh, it's a gold medal winner at the Great American Beer Festival in 2015. So this is one of their first, to my knowledge, this is the only time they've won medals at the GABF. They won two that year. Uh, the gold for this, and uh, Mark they, mentioned it. I forget. They got a. Bronze or silver for something. The mel- Melody of Moods, I think. They're wheat uh, beer. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I wish it was their stout, though. But <laughs> So this is charmingly drinkable and pleasingly full-bodied. Has a balanced caramel, nutty, and biscuit flavor with an assertive bitterness. This uses English and Belgian malt and indie goldy hop- golding hops with an English yeast. So these are the indie hops. So they're really into like the eclectic music. Um, I was going to say, how is that different than the regular noble golding hops where crowns and the indie ones are wearing uh, those round glasses and uh, suspenders while on their typewriters? <laughs> I assume they're like very similar to like Kent Golding pop, but whatever. Yeah, that's a uh, that is nuttier. That is more caramel and i will give them the biscuit wow that's very it it smells kind of almost like not overly buttery shortbread yeah uh i can't pick up anything on the nose but that's just me no so as far as esbs go it's good yeah it is good and i think this is probably like their most well-known beer i think this is like the beer that everybody goes after and the can's pretty cool it's the wolf in sheep's clothing actually yeah it's literally a wolf wearing a sheepskin yep a little lammy. What's your guilty pleasure? Ooh. He's guilty of murder. Is he? He just found that corpse and put it on. <laughs> he found that skin. All no, right. this is a... Yeah, as far as ESBs go, this is pretty good. I think it's a better than some of the English ESBs I've had. Yeah, and it, it's like we've talked about before, like back in the Green Man episode, where like ESB is one of those styles that people either get right or they get wrong. Um, there's not really a whole lot of in-between, and I think they've got it right. Actually, the nuttiness kind of builds as you keep drinking it. 
I noticed that it was a lot more nutty, a lot more um, caramel than I was expecting as we as I drank it. But that brings us to our last <laughs> beer of <laughs> the canned beers that we could get for uh, our Gibbs. This is the Monkey Sphere IPA, 6.7% ABV, huge tropical fruit aroma, floral hop dominated by citrus and pine. It uses mosaic and crystal hops. Munich and crystal malt gives tastes of smooth caramel, toasty biscuit, and graham cracker flavor. The yeast imparts a dry and fruity finish. Uh, a monkey sphere is a play off Dunbar's number, which is the number of stable relationships an average person can maintain. Typically, this is around 150. That is being extremely generous, as I think mine is probably like 10. <laughs> You can do more than that. Uh, was but, our immediate friend group like about 10? About 10, yeah. Yeah, that's all I got time for. So the <clears throat> can is uh, some monkeys uh, doing social media. They've got likes and friend requests and whatnot. They're so, twitting and tweeting. And... So I was curious what the name was for or why it was named that. So I looked up what a monkey sphere is and then it took me down a rabbit hole of Dunbar's number. And yes, that's that's my life. I don't even know who Dunbar is. But yeah, that I was always actually wondered where they got that name. I thought it was just some random thing they made up. Nope. It's uh, typically the number of uh, stable relationships you can have. Woo. That is floral. That is, uh, I got a lot of uh, tropical fruits, not like your mangoes, your guava type on the nose. Maybe some uh, apricot? Yeah, it is. It is like that meteor tropical fruit, like you said, like mango papaya type stuff. But it also does have like a fairly, the floral note is almost like a little citrus zesty. I don't know if it's not necessarily like an orange or maybe grapefruit or some other type of citrus that I'm not able to pick out. Perhaps an orange blossom. Um, That would be good. I mean, like, that's almost what it is. You know, like how when you smell things like orange blossoms and like those kind of flowers, it's like the faintest aroma of the fruit of that plant. That's kind of what it is. Like it, floral is a very great word for this. And it tastes similar to, it's very floral, very, um, I like this. It's nice. Yeah, it's tropical. Toasty biscuit, I'm having a hard time picking out. Oh, no, no, no. This is a very malt for, and a hot malt, um, hot for a beer, which is, I guess, <clears throat> unique for what the Gibbs is trying to do, but it's very um, hoppy. Yeah, it's a departure from the two British styles we've just had that are way more malt for. I will say there is like the slightest bit of butteriness that I guess you can attribute to biscuit or even like the graham cracker mm-hmm. type flavor. Well, that takes us to the end of our tasting. Uh, We had a great interview with Mark, and this is a great local brewery we have, new location. If you're in North Carolina, you can probably find them. They're doing a pretty good job of distribution. You can probably do. Oh, I thought you meant like find the brewery. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, like find their beer. Sorry. Like your Google map should probably (laughs) most likely take you where it should be. I mean, they did just move, but... uh, Well, there are websites up to date. It is. It is location wise, at least. But yeah. So Travis, final thoughts on Gibbs? I mean, it's a good brewery. Greensboro, we seem to have a lot of breweries now and some tend to get lost in the noise. I always forget about Gibbs sometimes because it's off the beaten path for where like the majority of our other breweries are located. Mm -hmm. You know, like most of our stuff's downtown and they used to be right downtown. So they were right in the thick of it, but they've kind of removed themselves for, you know, their various reasons that they had. But I mean, it's, they're still in a great spot. 
um, and their new building is huge. You know, they've got all the room in the world that they need for um, canning and storage and production. Uh, I, I like their beer. It's solid. Um, their ESB, you know, they're doing British style beers for the most part. And uh, their, uh, their Oktoberfest I had back when it was on tap. And that was actually a really good Oktoberfest. And I think that actually, if I remember correctly, it was them or another brewery in town that it actually counted as a fest beer. I can't remember. I feel like it was them or another one, but uh, yeah, no, a solid, solid brewery all around. Uh, mm-hmm. Andrew, what do you think? Uh, they're good brewery. I think they brew a style I'm not overly fond of um, with the high malt, uh, malt forward. <laughs> I'm typically more of a hop head, I guess, traditional hop head. Um, my favorite beers they have, they don't can. Um, but I've been there a few times recently, tried a lot of their new stuff, and they've got a lot of fun things that they're popping out. They're trying new things. But the the heavy malt focus of the brewery is not my personal cup of tea, but it's really good for what it is, which is a good malt forward brewery. And I greatly thank Mark for uh, interviewing with us because that was a it was nice to see that that style is what they're going for because it's clearly well made and it tastes good. It's just not, as we've said before, it's your own palate. Your palate's your palate. It's just not my personal cup of tea, but the beer is really good. And I've been there, I guess, three times in the last week and a half. So I can't say I don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> can't say you don't like it because you pretty much taken up shopping there now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I hate I missed the interview again. Andrew's done the bulk of the work for the pod to start the year off and that's probably not going to change. Uh, <laughs> but it's my first episode back, baby. <laughs> you, that's what you think. <laughs> that is what I, what, my first episode back? Yes. <laughs> it technically kind of is? Yes, it is. It All is. right. Well, uh, that's what ra- I think because it's true. Uh, yes. <clears throat> well, that wraps it up for, uh, for Gibbs. Uh, I think we're done here. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Tune in next week and uh, join us again. Thank you for listening to this week's Brew News. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to subscribe and give us a rating in whichever app you found us on. We value your feedback, and it also helps the show reach more listeners. If you have any thoughts or suggestions for future breweries or are with a brewery and would like to join us, feel free to tweet at or follow us on Twitter at Brew underscore News. We are on Instagram at Brew News Pod, and you can visit our website, brewnewspod.com, where we will post links, photos, and tasting notes. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast platform you use. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week with more exciting brew news. Cheers. Have you ever wondered how you could join the Brew News crew? We'll swing over to patreon.com slash brewnewspod and you can join us. We have three different tiers for all of our patrons. At the logger level, you earn early access to all of our podcast episodes. At the IPA level, you get early access to our podcast episodes, but you get special weekly beer tastings that are done by various members of the crew. And you get special video presentations, including our Beer Miss Special. At the stout level, you get everything you get at the IPA level, but you also get to appear on one episode of the Brew News Pod, and when we have some swag, we'll send some your way. So feel free to swing over to patreon.com slash brewnewspod. That again is patreon.com slash brewnewspod and join the crew.